This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the September 18th episode, and as always, we remain dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today, we go across the pond, and we're joined by our good friend, Calm Kelly. Calm is the executive producer here at Rotoviz and the host of one of our best podcasts, Rotoviz Overtime with Sean Siegel. Calm is one of the best and most versatile people in the fantasy industry. He hosts podcasts, he produces them, and he's a great fantasy football mind who excels at identifying those early season sleepers that are such a key to winning that fantasy title. Please follow him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, of course. Always feel calm like this isn't an interview, but it's two guys who grab a couple pints at the bar and talk (laughs) fantasy football. So my friend, welcome back to the bag. And what are we drinking today? Well, uh, it's a little. I'm going to be a little bit boring today, but uh, I'm a big coffee fan, so there, there's no pints uh, of beer here at the moment. But uh, I'm drinking some uh, fresh uh, bean to, to cup uh, coffee, so I'm really enjoying that. But uh, I, I wish we could uh, knock back a few pints of Guinness uh, if that was a possibility. Maybe maybe one day after the the pandemic is all said and done. But I'll I'll, I'll give a shout out to Team IPA as well. I know TJ Hernandez might be listening. And, uh, <laughs> he, he gives the Actually, week two last year, um, I was in San Diego. I watched week two with TJ. Uh, one of the last, obviously, the the lockdown and everything has happened since, and all these things happening all over the world. One of the last big, big parties uh, I had uh, <laughs> in recent memory, uh, and um, kind of knocked me back for a while. So uh, I'm I'm fully recovered now, back back to normal. But it took a few weeks to get to get back uh, back to normal after that. Sometimes you have to clean the system, cleanse the mm-hmm. palate, if you will, and reset it, reset the gears. So uh, no problem with that, especially what we're dealing with now. But <laughs> hey, listen, NFL is back, column. Week one's in the books. No fans in the stands, at least for most of the stadiums. But it was great to have football and to talk about it again. So I have to start with the Seahawks. It appears, my friend, that they are finally going to let Russ cook. And what a performance he had Overall QB1, 322 passing yards, four TDs, no interceptions, chucking another 25 rushing yards. It certainly seems that Russell Wilson right now could finally be unleashed, not just in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, let's let's hope so but i've been asking for this for years uh, i think everyone's been asking for it for years quite frankly to to let russell wilson be the quarterback he can be there, there's no doubt that in terms of a, a passer in terms of how he can move about in the pocket that there's really not many better than him uh, you know at, at what he can do and i think i'm just going to hold judgment i think we have seen one week i think they probably thought that the falcons were going to put up points because of their offense i think they probably thought that this is a secondary in the falcons that you can really target as well and when you have players like dk metcalf when you have tyler lockett you're going to go and take those opportunities against them so i think that week two we'll see it head back a little bit more run heavy but let's all let's all hope that that's not the case but if we can even get you know 60 percent pass attempts uh, for this offense that will be a big win uh, and as we've seen with wilson in the past and we've seen it from lockett as well you know they're so efficient they don't really need a huge amount of opportunity so if we can just tick those opportunities up a little bit um you know it, it could be a lot of fun but the, the seahawks if you just watch the seahawks highlights of games they are one of the most fun teams to watch in the entire league but if you sit through a full uh, game sometimes it's not the most enjoyable so let's hope they, they let Russell continue to cook here especially against the Patriots this week I don't think it's time for a conservative game plan and if you're going to get the Patriots early on Cam Newton looked pretty good I think they have to bring that a game and keep him sizzling this week turning over to running back Josh Jacobs overall RB1 in week one second year Alabama product He's on pace, Com. Just have to say this: 579 fantasy points after that first week in his 14 games in the NFL, going back to last year. Using the Rotoviz Game Splits app here, which is fantastic, our sweet apps at Rotoviz. 16.4 PPR fantasy points per game 
only 1.7 receptions, but saw an uptick in the first week, talking about 19 rushing attempts, 89 rushing yards, just a phenomenal performance here. And it looks like Colin, Josh Jacobs could find himself in the mid to high RB1 tier. I know it's one week, but so far that was a pretty good performance. Yeah, me and Sean actually the, we're recording this on Wednesday for the listeners and the, the Thursday wrote of his overtime show that comes out. We had a clip sent in by Davis Maddock and uh, he asked us about our thoughts on Josh Jacobs. So I think yeah, check that one out if you haven't already, if you're listening to this on, on Friday. But I, I think uh, in that situation, Jacobs looked better than I anticipated that he would probably ever look in the NFL. He looked like a workhorse back. He got a huge percentage of the snaps. I believe it was 78% of the snap share. And Sean mentioned on the show as well that he could end up you know, getting all the touches in this backfield over the rest of the season, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey workload. But the one thing I would say is that game obviously went over 60 points. There was a lot of offense for both sides. And the Panthers' defense is going to probably one of the, the lesser defenses in the NFL this year, uh, especially in that secondary of what they're putting up. So I think Jacobs had a, a really big performance. And I, I think this might be the peak of what we see of him this year. But what we did see was the usage in the past game that I wasn't expecting uh, to be quite as high. You mentioned there, his receptions you know per game is 1.71 and his targets per game is 2.43 so like in terms of what he did in week one he vastly bumped up those numbers basically um you know based on one performance but i would expect him to get continued usage and what i think the raiders were telling us all off season was like there was these pass catching running backs coming in like a jill and richard um you know lynn bowden was there then traded to traded away very quickly uh to the dolphins but i i think that we all thought that that was because they had no faith in him as in a pa- as a pass catcher, and I think what we seen on Sunday was maybe uh, they have they have renewed faith in him. So I think he's probably going to finish as a a top eight running back this year based on the workload. Um, but if he gets this workload on a weekly basis, I don't think his body's going to hold up either. So it might be good while it lasts, but definitely a workhorse performance in week one, and uh, wasn't something that I was expecting to be saying this time last week. We are devout zero RB zealots here at Rotoviz, of course, <laughs> following Sean's seminal work. And that became sort of a hot button arguing topic on social media. And listen, in the majority of my teams, I think I'm a, a leaning zero RB. I do have some robust RB, but I will tell you that the team's best ball are seasonal that started with Devontae Adams are looking pretty good right now. I had him preseason column as my overall wide receiver one theory was Aaron Rodgers target share didn't add a wide receiver and since he hasn't really played 16 games that often people overlook his final stats at the end of the year but it's a little quiet now that people were giving me the lols how could I possibly have him above Michael Thomas little quiet huh after 17 targets 14 receptions 156 yards and two touchdowns in week one yeah and i think uh i'll just say that people should be putting a bit more respect on tay's name uh you know i'm a packers fan and watching what he does on a, a weekly basis when healthy and the you know it's always been talked about you know jordy jordy nelson and Aaron Rodgers and the connection they have i would argue that Devontae Adams is a better wide receiver for Green Bay so far in his career than Jordy Nelson was. I know they had a, a Super Bowl with Jordy Nelson, but in terms of consistent production, Adams had a, a rookie season where he kind of flashed a little bit, then his second year was terrible and he was left kind of on the, the scrap heap. And from year three onwards, he's just been been dominant i think he's the best end zone wide receiver in the nfl he's a target monster like you mentioned like i think at this point of the season if we go through our weekly projections anything under eight targets i think is hard to hard to point in this offense for him on a weekly basis i think you're looking at double digit targets every week and i think you're looking and probably at you know six catches minimum per week just the way he fits in this offense and He's used in so many different ways uh, down down around the red zone. You know, there's so many short passes at the line of scrimmage or even the touchdown he caught this week. You know, it's just like a five-yard out. But because of his ability to separate at the line, um, he, he gets on those so easy. So he can get those deep targets. He can get those short targets. He can really be used anywhere. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see what he does does this season. Um, just, just love can't say enough about Devontae Adams but if you started one of those teams you know Devontae Adams uh, and let's say uh, DeAndre Hopkins or something to that effect this this past week uh, it's very hard to imagine that you didn't come out on top so uh, while while there is an argument for the, the robust robust running backs and I think that's where people who have Josh Jacobs would have 
uh, ended up with that. I think having those exciting playmakers at the wide receiver position is, is definitely a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think Adams is in for a, a monster season. And I actually retweeted that tweet that you had with your, your preseason rankings. And there's a few comments come back in. And I was just thinking like, yeah, let's let's just hold off on, on those thoughts uh, for a couple of weeks, guys, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think at the minute, obviously we have the injury to, to Michael Thomas. I think we're, we're looking at uh, Devontae Adams or, or, or Hopkins. That's easy to say after week one, but I kind of, I felt that was the situation prior to week one. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a couple of very high scoring seasons here for those two guys. Every once in a while, I have a prediction column that I'm just a year early on. And my bold prediction last year on the mailbag here was that Dallas Goddard was going to outscore Zach Ertz. It, it just seems that the wide receivers were limited. Ertz was falling out of favor to a certain extent. Now the contract negotiations have become an issue. And Goddard, of course, is a massive talent. Well, he had the overall tight end one performance in week one, eight receptions, 101 receiving yards, and 24.1 PPR fantasy points. What do you think about this moving forward? Do you think this is just a blip, or do you think that this could become a problem here long term over the year where Goddard and Ertz are really close to each other and possibly Goddard is even a little more productive? Well, the one thing I'll say is like I, I like Ertz, but uh, I also like Goddard. And, and a few of my dynasty leagues, I have both guys on the roster. You know, I, I don't usually take rookie tight ends in those drafts, but because of having Ertz and around the time Goddard was drafted, Ertz had a, a little bit more injury history. So um, it was a kind of a safe stash and uh, that's working out pretty well but I think these are both guys like that can get along in this offense like the the offense for the Eagles doesn't have a huge amount of consistent pass catchers if we look at them you know Rager's there Deshaun Jackson's there Alshon Jeffrey's always injured whatever way we want to look at it but these two guys can be the key pieces off this offense I think going forward I think we'll see a lot of two tight end sets the rest of the season Um, I think Goddard is like if he he wasn't going at a huge value this year compared to what he was last year so it was a real big take last year but i think this year probably will finish out pretty even i still think though Ertz will lead the way come the end of the season i think it's one of those ones that if it had been if the script had been flipped um in week one we probably would have just said that you know it was going to be Ertz the rest of the season and i think one week is too small the one problem i think with this team is that offensive line uh i don't know if we're gonna be able to keep carson wentz healthy all season long and that, that's another concern i guess for them but it, it is not it's not positive on, on that o-line yeah that's a major concern because that game started off very easy for the eagles 14 nothing things were rolling and then it really fell apart eight sacks to washington so it's something to watch out for here miles sanders is even back yet and boston scott was a huge dfs play that fell flat i'm just going to check in here uh if you played dfs last week had you any washington lineups uh, i had two defenses that i went with last week based on what i was expecting one of them was the panthers which was a, a crushing devastating uh, mistake the other one was the washington redskins who i started and over 50 percent of those dfs lineups last week so I, I think this defense is going to be far real this year I, I don't know about the back end you know in terms of the secondary but like you know chase young and uh, the guys they have uh, up front they're pushing the pressure they are going to cause a lot of trouble they, they're going to give up points but they're going to get to the quarterback a lot and that'll lead to turnover so i think they're they're a sneaky kind of uh, defense to try and stream here over the next couple of weeks I did. I had a lot of Washington in DFS, but unfortunately, I didn't take that savings and pay up at wide receiver. Obviously, that would have been the move with Adams and Thielen. I ended up paying up for running back and a little bit too high on quarterback. So having Lamar Jackson and the quality running backs, but not great wide receivers, really offset the Washington defense. But Rivera can coach. Off that front seven with those eight sacks is one of the best in the NFL. And I think it's intriguing this week, column with Arizona because... They go out to Arizona, Cardinals off a big win. I want to see how that front seven is going to do against Kyler Murray. He can escape, right? He's elusive, but I agree. I, I think Rivera's done a great job. That defense is going to be one of the better scoring fantasy defenses this year, I think. Yeah, and I think where people overlook is like, oh, will the defense give up points? That's not where it's going to get you a lot of points in terms of fantasy. Is are the defense going to score points in terms of sacks, fumbles, turnovers, touchdowns? That's what you want to see. And I think that's where people overlook like, oh, this defense is only going to give up three points this week. That's not going to get you a huge number of points. Yeah. It's the it's those turnovers and the scores that you get. And uh, I I think this is one that could cause cause havoc like that. 
Certainly this football season is different and Pepsi is here to get us ready for game day no matter how we watch it. I love Thursday night football. Sat down, grabbed a Pepsi, watched Cleveland, Cincinnati. Remember thinking about the old Sam Weish clip, right? This rivalry, it was made to sit down just for us. Even in this situation where things are a little different, it's fantastic to watch NFL and Pepsi has joined us. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. We're passionate fans and we're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, folks. It's made for people like us who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. So sit back, relax, get ready for Sunday week two, grab a Pepsi and enjoy. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Well, we're going to segue into another defense. The Steelers defense manhandled the Giants, specifically Saquon Barkley. But from that game, we also noticed that Ben Roethlisberger appears to be back. He started off a little shaky, but that Steelers offense got rolling. He had the QB7 performance, 229 passing yards, three TDs. The happiest person, I think, to have him back is Juju Smith-Schuster, who had the wide receiver, seven performance, six receptions, 69 receiving yards, and the two touchdowns. Also, fantasy to note, fantasy note here, Deontay Johnson, who we were all high on in the offseason, led the team with 10 targets. So talk to me about Ben Juju and this Steelers passing attack, which as long as he stays healthy, is going to be one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, I think with, with Ben, obviously the injury last year, everyone kind of just was like, oh, well, the Steelers are never going to be good again. But like, if you get him back and he's somewhat good, he's going to be much better than what they had at quarterback last year. Like they were just rolling out a, a carousel of, I don't, I don't want to disrespect anyone, but they weren't good quarterbacks. Uh, and like, you know, what, what we've seen was how this team can work with a bit of a serviceable quarterback play because the wide receivers that you mentioned there and Juju, uh, you mentioned Deontay Johnson, and, and I like James Washington as well. And, and I think that having and those wide receivers you've seen them well Juju didn't really put up what we thought he was going to put up last year but Washington had some good games in the mix there so I think that the Steelers offense is one that has gone undervalued all offseason and I think that like I, I was delighted to see Juju kind of get that mojo back so I, I think we're going to have some very high scoring productive weeks out of those three wide receivers that we mentioned and it was interesting as well obviously James Conner getting the injury wasn't a good thing but uh, Benny Snell getting a little bit of a run was uh, was a good thing I know uh, me and Sean have been on that all of last season into this season and last season was a, a struggle so uh, nice to see him get some work in week one but um, I, I think this is going to be a, a good offense throughout the year and we talked about it on the earlier show this week of uh, overtime it's going to be an ex- it looks like it's going to be an exciting season uh, in terms of scoring production so let's hope that's the way it goes I picked up Benny Snell in several FFPC best ball leagues because of your conversation with Sean on the overtime podcast so absolutely I agree if you were going zero RB, or even if you weren't, and you just listen carefully, James Conner was very fragile. Benny Snell people looking very strong right now. It's a great point. I have to ask you about Carolina. You know, we always talk calm. We don't want to overreact from week one, but we, we don't want to underreact either. So Robbie Anderson, big game. Curtis Samuel was just okay. DJ Moore was just okay. I still believe in DJ Moore. I think he's going to be the, clearly the wide receiver one there, and he's going to have some big performances. But Teddy Bridgewater doesn't take a lot of deep passes. I mean, the one to Robbie Anderson basically was a pass that he took to the house. <laughs> so where were you on Carolina's wide receivers here? Uh, DJ Moore, should people be concerned about him, or do you think he's going to bounce back? No, I, I have no concerns at all. Um, I, I think that like we can have overreactions to week one, but you know, if, if we're looking at players like 
you know, I don't think DJ Moore is quite at like the level of somebody like a Julio Jones. But, you know, if you have like if Devontae Adams had went out this week and had, you know, six targets and two catches, I don't think we would have been writing him off. And I think it's the same with DJ Moore. Maybe to the more casual uh, football fan mightn't have as big a name as the other guys. But I think in terms of talent, I think we're going to see this season that it is all there. Um, obviously, with Teddy Bridgewater, the concerns could be, um, you know, on, on deep passes. But I think Bridgewater throws the deep ball a lot better than people give him credit for and i think as the season goes on we'll see them develop more of a, a rapport week one there's a lot of things can happen this game was a little bit weird in terms of the the points that were put up as a as a total i think it was 64 it finished with um so i think bridgewater is going to be fine in this offense i think christian mccaffrey is going to be fine in this offense and i think robbie anderson is somebody who like i'm kind of a robbie anderson truther um you know since since his days like with the the dolphins now with the jets it just didn't really work out all that well in the jets it was so inconsistent but we can see even this past week with the jets they continue to be inconsistent and i think anderson will end up being a real value this year in, in fantasy so um i'm not surprised that he started off pretty good that's what he does he scores big plays and and between that then there mightn't be a huge amount happening but i think having somebody like robbie anderson gives dj more more chances uh, to get you know those deep targets get less coverage pushed his way and i i have no doubt so you mentioned you believe keep believing i think it's going to come good uh, pretty soon yeah i agree week one you have to be careful we'll get to sammy Watkins in a little bit but last year aaron jones folks 39 total yards and no touchdowns in route to 19 touchdowns on the year so week one you have to be careful with i have to ask the next question comments become a staple here we had somebody tweet about it as well Breakfast cereal has become a major driving question here on the mailbag. What was your favorite cereal as a kid? And in general, what do you go with for breakfast as the most important meal of the day besides a good cup of coffee? <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes coffee is my uh, breakfast of the day. But I always, I, I, I always, like you mentioned, the most important meal of the day. I need breakfast. If I don't get breakfast, I'm I'm probably not a lot of fun to be around. I mightn't be that much fun to be around at the best of times, but when I <laughs> when I, when I have when I have no coffee or no breakfast, I'm definitely not uh, somebody to be spending time with. But as a as a kid, I guess anything that had had sugar on it, anything that was going to give me like, this crazy rush. But now I'm I'm probably pretty boring. I remember a couple of weeks back at Curtis Patrick on. He probably gave us he gave a similar answer. But as you get older, you know, you start to become a bit healthier and uh yes. I, I i go for uh, i don't know if it's the same in america it's called wheatabix here it's basically like blocks of wheat that have been blended up again and then you, you toss the milk on top of them but my mindset has always been eat kind of healthy where possible and then you know have yourself that treat then whenever you need it so i try and eat as healthy as i can and then eat some nice stuff then when i can as well but uh one of the things i do love to have you know if i was giving myself a treat and i have a rule where i i try not to buy stuff in unless i'm going to eat it like i don't i don't want to tempt myself by having something in the press that i have to try and avoid so uh crunchy nut cornflakes are, are something that i love uh yeah, I, yeah. I, I i try I, I get them a couple of times a year if they, if they sneak their way into the house if they come in uh, from my wife's shop and order that they don't tend to last long so i try not to have them in but i love a good bowl of those from time to time yeah very fair totally agree the old school i'm with you Let's get to some more buy or sell performances from week one, talking about the overreaction here. But let, let's see. Naeem Hines, a lot of talk coming in about him being the receiving back with Philip Rivers, of course, which has been very profitable for Danny Woodhead, very profitable for Austin Eckler in the past with the Chargers. Naeem Hines, two touchdowns, solid performance there. Now Marlon Mack out of the equation. Jonathan Taylor is going to be the lead back who I'm very high on. But what do you think about Hines' role moving forward? I guess what I'm saying is, do you see him as a low-end RB2 rest of the season? I think he's somebody who, before this, I was quite comfortable having him as a flex option. He's somebody I was targeting all off season, and I've been a big fan of uh, Naheem Hines since he came into the league as a rookie. You know, he'd done some great things at the start of his career, and obviously last year then was a a bit of a downside on that because we were expecting the breakout to continue and to happen last year but i think we're going to see him like you mentioned philip rivers i think we're going to see a dream a dream scenario here like but if we look if we look back to uh, 2018 as a rookie he had 81 targets and 63 receptions and last year was a down year for him uh, from what we expected to happen but he did have 44 receptions last year like so the the, the work is there but last year what really let him down was there's, there wasn't much touchdown upside like over his career so far he has eight total touchdowns and two of them came in week one of this week so that that's always been something that's uh you know let him down but i think we're going to see a, a lot of work and i thought we were going to see a lot of work from anyway what i was a little bit surprised by was how early they were going to him in week one both on the ground and uh 
through the air just the, the amount of work before the injury but i think um, obviously it's a it's disappointing to see any player getting injured and mac obviously is going to be out for quite a considerable amount of time but him and taylor i think are both running backs who can like if you have them on one lineup you can start both each week i think you're going to get enough ppr work from Hines and uh taylor actually that was another thing surprised me a little bit this week was the amount of work he actually got in the passing game uh, but Hines has been somebody I've been on for a couple of years here and uh, we've been talking all off season. you kind of hinted at it there with you know the, the the running backs that Rivers has worked with particularly and Woodhead and an Eckler and I'm going to touch on it later but my concerns about Eckler but I think a running back like Hines having Rivers is is a perfect situation for him so I'd be buying uh, as much as you can if you can at this point. I was not high on Rob Gronkowski coming into this year. I, I just thought he too far removed from playing older now, older quarterback in Tom Brady, and of course, a lot of weapons down in, in Tampa Bay. O.J. Howard outperformed him. O.J. Howard went four receptions, 36 yards, had the touchdown. Gronkowski had played a lot of snaps, but only had three targets, two catches, 11 yards. Rob Gronkowski moving forward. Tight end one, yes or no? No, definitely no. I think though this is the part where you know confirmation bias can come into play. You mentioned you weren't uh, drafting him. I I had no interest in Robin Kreisky at all this year. Um, you know it's kind of felt like a nostalgia kind of you know Robin Kreisky's back with Tom Brady. They're on a new offense. Things are just going to be great. But you know outside of the Super Bowl performance and you know the the AFC Championship game where he caught the couple of passes against the Chiefs, he was really beat up that last season in New England. And um, there's just it was just something i wasn't buying at the time but it could be confirmation bias that he had a, a lower score in week one and you know how i'm saying not to overreact to some things maybe i'm just you know giving myself a pat on the back for that it could be different after week two but uh, no real interest in gronkowski the rest of the season good old sammy Watkins, death taxes <laughs> in week one for sammy Watkins. seven receptions 82 yards one touchdown he played virtually every snap even had a rush for three yards are we going back to the well after last year's big 3D performance against Jacksonville and it's just going to like Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown pull away from us? Or could Sammy really be a viable option here on a weekly basis? I think Watkins is a very good football player, but I think it just never clicks together on a consistent basis for him. I think that's what we've seen throughout his career. We'll see the big plays. He'll get us like, you know, sucked back in again and then all of a sudden when we all are ready to, to play him in our lineups it falls apart again we've seen it the last couple of week ones we've seen it last year as well with the big performance but uh, I, I'm pretty much too much invested in other areas of this offense uh, I would be pointing my fingers at Mr. McCall Hardman if, if he can step up this week Yes, but, uh, yes. but uh, I think that um, it's going to be a situation where it'll probably be a bit of a continuous circle between uh, Robinson, Watkins and Hardman behind uh, you know the main guys and Kelsey and Hill and uh, I think it's just gonna be a continuous rotation there so I think there'll be big weeks but not somebody I'm I'm confident in playing any week this season next one with the Rams Malcolm Brown he looked like the best running back for the Rams against the Cowboys the big 20 to 17 win 18 rushing attempts 79 yards two touchdowns also caught three of four targets for 31 yards Cam Akers is there high draft capital of course Daryl Henderson is coming back off an injury Malcolm Brown had two touchdowns last year, but it was a little different calm because Todd Gurley was there. Can he keep this up for the Rams? I, I'm not confident. The backfield here has been one that I've kind of avoided uh, all offseason. It's kind of there's going to be too much in it. They've talked about playing, you know, a three man committee. Um, in terms of this and snaps and touches, you know, he was kind of the number two in this, and he did vulture goal line touchdowns. So things get shuffled around very much. Uh, you know, overall, I, I just I, I couldn't confidently say that I'm going to be starting Brown this week. I think he's one of those sort of players that could be picked up off the waiver wire this week for quite a quite a chunkier budget and could be dropped in two weeks time again. So I'm just gonna just gonna stay away from that one. And last one here is Jimmy Graham. I'm only asking this because tight end is so difficult, right? If I love Jonu Smith, but I, I was watching him against Denver, and, and you know, I don't know if he really has like the eight reception, hundred yard upside. So if you're looking for a tight end to pick up and plug in, Jimmy Graham played a lot, seven targets, three receptions, only 25 yards and a touchdown. But is this somebody who's worthwhile? If you have a tight end gets injured, let's say, and, and you have to hit the waiver wire, is Graham a reasonable plug and play on a weekly basis? I think if we get to week three or four, I think it's probably a bit early to be panicking at this point. But, you know, if you're streaming tight end, there's an option there to, to play him. But I would need to be pretty low down through the rest of my options. I would say, you know, I'd probably have him in that kind of 
tight end 16 to 18 range you know it's, it's quite a way down so hopefully there is options for you to pick up or hopefully you've drafted a, a tight end or two um like if you're following uh, myself and sean on the podcast there's a lot of you know drafting one of those elite tight ends and then you're you're down through kind of waiting to see what you get then a little bit later so you're pretty confident through those first couple of weeks that you're starting that top guy but if you have waited on tight end you know he might be somebody you could have stashed on your roster as an option but jimmy graham isn't the jimmy graham from our our kind of memories back in, in new orleans you know he's he's a different he's a different player now and uh that offense just with mitchell trubisky you know i'm just the only one i'm really holding out hope for is uh you know alan robinson if we can get him enough touches uh hopefully we'll be okay with the bears offense but i, I couldn't consistently be confident in starting graham or we could get alan robinson to a different team calm that could that could also happen the way things are right now it could you never know hopefully i think if we could just get him with a good quarterback he is so so good i mentioned about you know Devontae adams earlier in the show alan robinson is such a good wide receiver but he's just in a bad situation uh, settle the big fantasy debates we've had on the bag this year. Sean had given his answers. I'm curious if yours are the same or a little bit different. The lawyer firm, Woods Cup, who do you like better? I'm I'm a Woods guy. I've, I've been a Woods guy for a long time. I'm going to keep it that way the rest of the season, but I think that it's very close. I think both will be good. I think Cooper Cup will be productive. I think Woods will be productive, but I just just from a like a, I, I split these two guys pretty much based on who I prefer watching out of the two, and I prefer the way Woods plays. So I, I think they're pretty much a 50-50 call. You on board for the David Johnson revival? If we, can we say it quiet enough so nobody nobody hears it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I was so heavily invested in him last year. You know, if I was picking around that six seven spot, you know, I was taking him as that first running back in those drafts. And uh, one of the, one of the comments that I remember so much from from our, our podcast series last year with Sean said that he he was running like a, a lit career Antonio Gates, uh, and I, I just it stuck. It stuck. <laughs> That's true. Very it, true. Good one. It, it, yeah. it, it stuck with me just so much but i thought what we seen from him on thursday night football was nothing like we seen from him last year there was a, a much better player there looked like his old self so i i would love to see it um we'll, we'll just see if it works out or not but uh no in terms of dfs and, and those sort of lineups i'll be i'll be slotting him in a number of times if, if, if i was able to sl- slot levy on bell in week one i think i'll give david johnson a chance in week two <laughs> yo Le'Veon bell geez out here in yeah. new jersey it, it, it is brutal this last one, I'm going to admit I have a bias. I have a bias for Chris Godwin and a bias against Mike Evans. I, I just I love Godwin's ability to get open. He's so versatile, the Penn State lineage. And Mike Evans just feast or famine. And I was overly excited about his first two games last year that were poor, and then he had the monster against the Giants here. Um, but Arians came out this week and said, you know, we have to get Mike Evans more targets. If he's not getting at least 10 targets, something's wrong. So where are you here with Godwin Evans the rest of the season? We obviously we're not we're not on Rob Gronkowski, so we better like some of these guys. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm concerned about how this box offense is going to work and how this situation is going to go. You know, if we see you know a loss in week two, this could get messy very quickly. I don't know how, how much it'll hold up. You know, I was surprised that Arians kind of had a few shots almost at Tom Brady in terms of the, the interceptions and in that yeah. this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, for somebody who has always given kind of Jameis as, as due, you know, and not, not really giving him too much stick. So I thought that was interesting, but I think it's pretty 50-50 between these two guys. But you hinted at something uh, there, and it's that Mike Evans uh, is pretty much feaster famine, but a lot of his feaster famine is catch the ball, and that's where the play ends. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. yards after the catch with Mike Evans. Nope. One of the best one of the best catchers of the ball at a high point, but what I like about Godwin is, you know, he can take the ball and make stuff happen after after that happens and i think with brady that's gonna be a big thing this year because uh, i don't see it being a consistent thing where brady's pushing the ball downfield to mike evans and i think we're going to see godwin be able to be used in different formations and be able to get open uh, on more scenarios so I, I would be going chris godwin out of the two here you know the title of the pod that we had last year when i had you on was the ghost of melvin gordon he's in denver now one of those nebulous fantasy teams i didn't hear a lot of chatter about denver column in the in the preseason i think people were just a little uncertain a lot of unproven parts i mean gordon of course is solid but they were worried about lindsay who's now injured no offense a stud we know that uh, but sort of disappeared in the second half, which was very odd. They w- didn't went away from him in the second half. They a big first half there in that win, uh, the loss rather, to to Tennessee. Where are you on Cortland Sutton? I think he should be back this week. And, of course, Drew Locke is the big question. But a lot of potential in this offense with Gordon, Judy, if Lindsey comes back, Fant, Sutton. Where are you on Denver here on the offense? 
I'm definitely on Cortland Sutton. I'm, I'm all in there. Like, you know, a lot of my lineups this week uh, were one man down <laughs> starting off. I had to do yeah. a couple of, a couple of late swaps, put in, put in some guys that maybe I hadn't anticipated starting in week one. Uh, Cortland Sutton's on a, on a huge amount of those rosters. On the, the FFPC main event team that we have, we have him. And uh, we did a, a football guys players championship draft as well with the, the ship chasing crew, uh, Peter Overzet uh, and Pat Crane. And we had him on that as well. So he was a player that I mentioned I was leaving every draft draft with this year i was drafting him wherever i could so week one was a bit of a, a bummer but i think rest of the season is going to be pretty strong one thing i kept asking in the off season was with the players we like like a noah fant like uh, sutton you know they, they drafted uh, judy high in the draft and we were looking at a situation then where how does it work out how does all these players put up points and the quarterback what's going to happen there so i thought we might have been too low on drew lock but i th- I still think there's a a lot of question marks around how good he is but i think he, he might be good enough to, to support a couple of pieces but i i definitely think uh courtland sutton is is good enough to be able to to rise above that but the other players then behind sutton and fant i think there'll be an inconsistency there but the the one player then that i do like on this offense as well is, is philip Lindsay. you mentioned the ghost of melvin garden i, I haven't bought in on garden uh, this year i'm still i'm still hoping Lindsay gets the 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 lead work there but um obviously a little bit banged up at the moment but uh positive signs for the broncos offense for rest of season but i think you know having sutton in there versus not having him uh, is going to be a big big difference for what happens the rest of the way question here from arnold in houston texas give me the mailbag every week thank you arnold i know you guys on rotaviz are high on lavisca chenault he certainly had a solid first week where are you on him moving forward is he a weekly starting flex play i remember calm last year dj chark actually showed out and he ended up having a real quality season we love chenault here so how do you think he's going to do for the jaguars Oh, we're we're all on Chenault. I mentioned players not leaving any drafts without uh, Chenault was definitely one of those guys. When you got to the fourteenth, fifteenth round, I was happy to take him a round or two early. Uh, I know, I know, Peter Overset somewhere probably when that touchdown went in had the the Lavisca Chenault uh, music going. If you've watched any of his streams, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. But yeah, in terms yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I I drafted him pretty much everywhere. Rookie drafts. Uh, I, I thought coming into the draft process i thought he was the most undervalued wide receiver in, in the class based on his injury concerns you know around draft time around combine time uh, and then i was you know excited to see him get involved obviously this week at lantern spot you know could have potentially been better than than jacksonville but i think that you know dd westbrook was a, a healthy scratch this past week i think that shows that he's the the second wide receiver on this team behind uh behind shark you mentioned so i i like both him and shark rest of season and uh you know i think they'll be the the jaguars are going to be bad but i think there's going to be a lot of exciting fantasy games we, we've seen the jaguars be bad for a long time we mentioned alan robinson earlier alan robinson did a lot of good fantasy work with blake bartle so we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, Minshew and these two guys but uh love seeing Visca get in the end zone yeah and with uh, derrick henry on tap this week what he usually does to the jaguars it means it could be a lot, a lot of need to put some points up there for sure <laughs> Next one, Calm, our most popular question here. Thank a teacher time. Sort of give a shout out and thank a teacher in your K-12 years that had a huge influence on you as a person or a student. Just a chance for you to reflect, share with us, and and give a, a shout out here for someone who who did a, a nice job for you and had a great effect on you. Well, I, I was never a fan of uh, school. Uh, it wasn't my thing. I didn't really enjoy it. I was always a big into sports. Um, so my teachers, I would always went, like for my examples, would have been more coaches, sports-related people. Uh, I was actually a, a, a soccer goalkeeper um, when I was younger, and I, I was pre- pretty good not to, to – pump my own trumpet too much but uh was pretty good and uh, you know played across in england for a little bit and things like that but um coaches would have been instead of teachers would have been the ones that would have guided me over the time kind of help build your work work ethic you know your drive and i, I think i have a, a pretty strong work ethic pretty strong drive and i think that a lot of that comes from my time playing sports so any coaches or uh, anyone like that that would have guided me over the time just putting in that hard work putting in uh, you know training dedication things like that i think it stood me a lot over the years there's probably too many to mention i probably have to throw my parents into that crew as well but uh any, any of those guys i have to say thanks because um i think work ethic gets you gets you a long way yeah it's totally true i agree try to pass it on to the kids as well yeah Got a question here about Houston. You know, I have a feeling, Calm, that this game with the Ravens and the Texans this week could get a little high scoring. Ravens defense and their secondary is amazing, of course. But Deshaun Watson's a performer. He rises to the occasion. Question that come, comes in here is about the wide receiver group in Houston. Who do you like the best? I was in on Randall Cobb. I'm sort of a Randall Cobb truther, like Ryan McDowell mentioned here on the mailbag <laughs> earlier. But 
looking at it, Will, Phil, Will Fuller, of course, as long as he stays healthy, which is the new caveat for every time you say Will Fuller's name, you have to say that, he's going to be fantastic. But Cook's there also. Uh, Kenny Stills. What do you think about How would you handicap this Texans receiving court? I think it's clear number one and, and Will Fuller, and that's the the one I would have been targeting all offseason. Uh, have a soft spot for Cobb as a, as a Packers fan. I think he'll have a, a steady role this year, but I think it'll be more of a kind of a veteran presence. You know, some games where things will go his way and he'll, you know, maybe five to six targets. I don't expect any huge big games coming his way. Uh, Kenny Stills is always somebody who's there for a big play, good at getting to the end zone, but very, very hard to start with any confidence. And I think his role is probably going to be moved to Branton Cooks this season who's an upgrade over Kenny Stills again we you mentioned the the caveat to Will Fuller you can mention that caveat to all of those wide receivers and you, you know they could all be banged up come week three but I think it's a clear uh, situation where the, the number one is Will Fuller uh, I think the number two then is is going to be Cooks uh, then it's going to be the other two behind fighting fighting for time and you might see a situation where it's going to take an injury to, to one of the two guys above for e- either Stills or Cobb to be a, vi- a, vi- a viable play. Give me a sneaky, cheap DFS play for each position. So I guess I'm looking for sort of a, a low-cost, under-the-radar QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Someone in, in each of those positions that you should consider for DFS. It seemed like last week it would start the studs, particularly at wide receiver. But if you're going to do that, then you have to find those, quote, free square running backs that exist. So take me through it. Start with quarterback here. Who's a guy that you look at this week that you say is a pretty good matchup that may not be that expensive? Well, I, I think that quarterback looks very flat this week. There, there's a lot of guys in around the same same price point. Uh, particularly, I, I I play my DFS on DraftKings, so um, looking at their cash or, or their their actual costs uh, for this season in terms of or this week in terms of salary, Kyler Murray. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the Washington defense, but I, I still think that that's a game that the there could be a lot of points put up. I mentioned about the the front seven, the back end of that. You know there is concerns about how Washington will hold up at the back end. I, I still think Washington will get to Murray, and they'll they, they might cause a few turnovers based on that. But I still think like you know what he did last week against the the 49ers, who are one of the best defenses in the NFL on the road. I think he's he's a value at, at 6100. But you know he's not really cheap. But I think he maybe he's maybe the ninth or tenth quarterback in terms of salary this week. But it's pretty flat at quarterback. And what about running back here? Uh, you know, last week the the big players were solid. You know, some odd performances. Cook was good, but so was Alexander Madison. Chris Carson with the receptions, but he split time in, in the backfield with Carlos Hyde. Who's someone who's a little cheaper here for running back that you like? Well, I think uh, we mentioned two of the guys here. Uh, depending, obviously, what happens with Connor this week, I think Benny Snell's a value against Denver. That's the free square. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, that could, if, if, if Connor's a go, has you know he's gonna be pretty chalky so i think the one that I'm, I'm very interested in we talked about him earlier in the show too is Hines against minnesota um you know he's he's 5300 so i think you can get him in there and get one of the the other higher price backs in um, but i think in terms of if you're playing in DraftKings with the ppr points i think he's somebody to get in those lineups was very happy at the ffpc best balls i felt like in probably 70 80 percent of my leagues my last pick in every round was marquez valdez scantling I, I just yeah. felt, you know, with the Packers, he can hit a big play, best ball, and certainly paid off in week one. So who's a, a low-key guy this week at wide receiver that you like? I actually got over, uh, we did one of them drafts, and uh, I got I got overtaken on that there. Uh, my play, and I think it was the 18th round, was going to be Valdez Scantling because Rodgers has been talking him up over the last few weeks. And I mentioned earlier in the show about the, the way that Adams, you know, in year two kind of fell apart and things didn't go for him. We had a very down year, obviously, last year for Scantling. I think we could we could see him turn things around pretty swiftly here because uh you know he's, he's definitely has the the ability but in terms of the, the players i'd be targeting this week uh you know in around the the four and a half k down to, to 4k range uh Deontay johnson is in that range at four four five i think somebody who's very interesting is paris campbell i, I played him quite a bit last week and i think yep. we talked about the way rivers is with the uh, Hines. i also think that having you know Campbell who can take those shorter passes is going to help out with Rivers because the arm strength clearly isn't what it what it used to be I think he's interesting uh, and he's going up against Minnesota who uh, obviously didn't look that great this past week but uh, I think he's somebody interesting at that value somebody who I think is going to go completely overlooked this week and I mentioned Kyler Murray 
the Christian Kirk is 4,300 this week on against Washington at home. So he's somebody who I'm surprised is quite as low. Obviously, he forgot to turn up for the game this past week. But outside of that, I like the talent and the ability is, is there. I, I, I think I'll be all over him this week. And LaVisca Chenault as well is, is in that range at 4,200. So three, three or four guys there that I'm very interested in at the lower end of wide receiver. And last one is tight end, or otherwise, what do you think of Logan Thomas? <laughs> I, have two, I, have two, I have two. I have two players here. I have Logan Thomas, and I have your guy Johnny Smith as well. So, uh, yes, yeah, we had a we have a running joke. Uh, me, Sean, and Ben Gretsch in, in our FFEC main event thread, and uh, it was that we should have drafted Logan Thomas. That was that kept coming up in the draft. He kept saying, "When are we going to draft Logan Thomas?" And we didn't, and then I could not stop laughing when, when Logan Thomas caught the touchdown uh, yeah. on Sunday. So, uh, I think Logan Thomas. But you know, when you're at that point he's probably going to be on a very high percentage of lineup so i think pivot in a way you know if you if you if you can get maybe two of those wide receivers i mentioned in your lineup you could probably pay up a tight end pay up a little bit at running back and you know be differentiate yourself if you're playing and uh you know if you're playing and gpps if you're playing in cash games so i think logan thomas is is a definite option uh and you know there's there's ways as well i think i think that washington arizona game could be an interesting game to stack up this week uh, there's just some lower value options to go with some of the the higher price players as well Time for redraft lightning round. Give me the better PPR play in week two. I'll give you two choices here. Start with Mark Ingram going to Houston or David Montgomery at home against the Giants. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> That's the way yeah. the game works, my friend. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, if I have to pick one, I'll pick uh, David Montgomery. But uh, just let's just say we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, you know, I have a feeling this just smells to me. This is based on nothing analytical column that this is the mark ingram 60 yard run on like the third play game you know he has those every once in a while last year that like if if, you know dobbins is going to be an issue but he's got to get going quickly if he doesn't then dobbins could overtake him but i just have a feeling that could happen this week but right i would say not exactly a high priced option question did i give you next one seattle wide receiver at home against the pats are you a dk guy or tyler lockett I think this week I think I'll be playing Lockett a little bit, like I mentioned with Paris Campbell. Uh, you can kind of you can move Lockett around a little bit more in the the offense. I think you can get him opened up and you know free a little bit more. I think Belichick tends to take away one of your your main weapons, and I think probably easier to to bracket DK Metcalf with somebody over the top than it is to stop all of Lockett's routes and have the threat of Lock uh, you know one on one coverage against Metcalf. So I, I would be starting Lockett just purely for for that reason with with Billy B. Two wonderful zero RB options here. Joshua Kelly, who showed out, he's playing Kansas City, or Zach Moss, who is at Miami. I'm going to Zach Moss. I think rest of the season, he's at minimum a flex option moving forward. That is the correct answer, my friend. (laughs) And last one, bigger injury benefit. Of course, Michael Thomas injured, so now Emmanuel Sanders probably going to get a larger target volume. He's against the Raiders. Or Preston Williams, who now is going to host Buffalo with Devontae Parker. He may play. He's a little banged up, though. So who do you think benefits the most from having an injury to the top uh, wide receiver in the pecking order? I think Sanders, you know, a lot of a lot of positives, you know, better quarterback, better offense. And I also think that the Raiders defense is, is not going to be great either this season, but they're definitely not the Bills defense who are who are very much legit. So uh, I think Sanders. Are you a video gamer? You got a favorite video game of all time? I used to be. Uh, I, we're building a new house currently. We're hoping to move in in the next kind of six to eight oh, weeks into it. So that and uh, my little girl and then uh, podcasting kind of took away my video game time. But I was always a sports gamer rather than, you know, playing, you know, I'm not a like a Call of Duty or Modern Warfare uh, player, but, you know, the games I would have played would have been like pro evolution soccer or FIFA. And, uh, you know, I've played Madden over the years uh, or shout out to, to, to Grand Theft Auto as a kid as well. Uh, I think uh, Crash Bandicoot and Sonic were, were two of my all time favorites. So we can we can go all the way back there as well. I still make my kids. We play Sonic on the computer. I won't let it go. Totally agree. I, did, you, did you watch the film? I, I wasn't going to after the original trailers came out, but I, I watched it with uh, our little girl and it was a uh, I thought it was pretty fun. Oh, it was good. Yeah, my son's five. I'll give it a I'll give it a look. Yeah, the trailer was a little questionable, but yeah, no. So you're giving it the stamp of approval. Yeah, I thought it, I think it's it's worth it if you're at least you can say oh, I was watching it because the kids wanted to watch. It. Yes, exactly. I always blame the kids, of course. Yeah, I want you to play soothsayer, my friend. Who's going to be the week three waiver wire pickup? Who do you think right now, sort of off the radar, but you think uh, could have a big performance, and we could be looking to pick up and scoop up in, in week three it's hard to know with uh just how waivers are shaken out in different leagues depending on how deep the leagues are but you know i think 
Valdez Scantling might be somebody who some people pick up this week, but I don't think it'll be as big a pickup. If we're looking really deep, maybe somebody like a, a Traquan Smith with Michael Thomas being out, Traquan might get some more uh you know reps some more catches this week but i think probably somebody as well that's interesting but may be off the wire this this week is uh and keel harry up in up in new yep. england yep. um and I, I don't know how depending how deep your league is like chenault might be on the waivers or Hines might be on the waivers they're guys that i think should have been picked up this week or i personally i think they should have been drafted <laughs> but uh, if they are on your waivers get them on your on on before week two happens because they'll all be looked at for week three I mean, we flew by here. I got to order another couple pints from the bartender. But our last question, and then we will get you out of here. I want to know who the cut the cord player is. What I mean by that is you invested high draft capital. They didn't perform well in week one, but you say, oh, it's only week one. But if there's another bad performance, who's the player where you're kind of like, you know, now I'm legitimately worried. So I guess legitimate reaction as opposed to an overreaction who's the high-priced guy who you think could really be a problem here if he doesn't show up in week two i think it'll probably be okay with him and i'm trying to stay as calm but the, the one player i would be a little bit concerned about how the usage happened this week was austin eckler um mm-hmm. you know i mentioned about rivers and hines i mean obviously that their rivers connection to eckler was great but i think tyrod taylor's not historically been somebody who's going to the running back in terms of those short passes likes to kind of run around a little bit more that game against the Bengals was an absolute disaster I, I mentioned on the podcast that I had a parlay uh, a five team overs parlay and it, all four of the early games had hit and I was just waiting on Bengals versus uh, Chargers and that game just was uh, not a fun one to watch but I think that that offense could struggle a little bit with uh, Tyrod a little bit more than I thought they were going to struggle um, and I think what that means is having Justin Herbert come in a quarterback might be the best thing for Eckler in terms of his PPR points um, but some some concerns with Eckler but I, I wouldn't be cutting the card just yet but you know we'll, we'll see what happens yeah I agree the other one I'm worried about too myself because I'm heavily invested is Nick Chubb and uh, you know with the a little banged up to Landry Odell's not happy Hunt is involved you know this should be a good spot on Thursday night when this drops on Friday you'll know I'm either drowning my sorrows or, or relieved here wiping my brow because I need Nick Chubb to have a solid performance here on Thursday you agree yeah, I'll put you on the spot. Rest of the season, if you were drafting right now, would you be drafting Hunt over Chubb or Chubb over Hunt? Oh, don't do this. I'm going to still <laughs> say Chubb, but the Titanic is sinking. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say Chubb, but it's predicated, Colm, on them having positive game script. That That's it, because he's yeah. not going to be as big a factor in the passing game. So I guess I'm still in that the Browns can turn it around, but I would be nervous if they dropped this game to the Bengals. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have a lot of positive game script. That would be a concern, you know, rest of the season. But what I would say is, like, Chubb is one of the better actual pure running backs in the NFL. But I also think that Kareem Hunt is one of the best cat- pass catching backs in the NFL. So that's where the, the split happens. And uh, I have uh, quite a bit of a hunt on, on those rosters um, over Chubb purely for the PPR reason. Um, I still, I, they're definitely going to be productive weeks, but I think it's going to be a, a 1A, 1B split probably the rest of the way. Yeah, by the time this drops, we'll know a good amount for this answer to see what happens. <laughs> Folks, Colm Kelly, executive producer here at Rotoviz. Rotoviz over time. Have to listen. Get it in the rotation if you're not. I don't know what you're doing with Sean Siegel. Follow him on Twitter. Always active on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My friend, this is a very, very fast hour as always. Drinks are on me. We'll order up here again. But thank you so much. Great stuff, Colm, as always. No problem. My, my pleasure, Mike. And I love what you do on the, the show here at Weekly. It's in my rotation every single time. And the guests are always great. You're a real pro at it. And I know that we've uh, been working together on the, the podcast side for for a couple of years, but uh, really proud of the, the work you put in here and uh, across the fantasy spectrum of, of the other shows that you do as well. So tremendous work and uh, appreciate you having me on here. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. 
You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.